the Gubby Gubby are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali, the podcast that tells the survival stories of blood product recipients, to thank donors and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets and breast milk. This season, we are also telling stories of donors. If you have ever been a donor, you could be the one who saved, prolonged or improved the quality of life of the person that we profile here each week on the podcast and becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. Today I am interviewing a family who look very much like ours. They have a service dog who is supporting their child who is still alive today due to being a blood product recipient. But before we dive into that interview, I want to share a little bit more about how Mali is supported by her seizure response service dog, Paddy. Marley was only three when she started having these strange episodes where she would zone out. It was almost like someone hit the pause button on her while the world continued to move around her at the same speed. We put it down to lapses in concentration or perhaps blood glucose fluctuations as she, like her brothers and I, had recently had her type 1 diabetes diagnosis revoked and replaced with a rare genetic type of diabetes called Modi 2. To hear more about this, please go back to the episode, um, which is the first one of this podcast series, called Marley's Story. I started researching service dogs for Marley after her first life-threatening status epilepticus episode. This is considered a medical emergency that can lead to brain injury or death. It meant that Marley was having seizure on top of seizure and never returning to baseline before the next one commenced. Her longest episode to date, is 39 hours. During these episodes, she's placed into an induced coma, she's intubated, ventilated, and we will, are never sure if she will survive. And if she does, we're never sure what deficit she will be left with due to the damage that these episodes cause to the brain. The first day that she was extubated in the paediatric intensive care unit, she didn't recognise us and she really didn't interact with us at all. But a therapy dog came into the PICU and we could tell that that made her happy. It gave her strength to sit up a little bit and that gave us hope. And I started to research. The following weeks, as she recovered on the neurology ward of the Sydney Children's Hospital at Randwick, we had a visit from Delta Dogs. And for the first time, I saw a genuine smile and pure joy in our girl. And it was then that I knew that she needed a service dog. I will be forever grateful for Handler Kimmy and the beautiful chocolate lab Chit Chat who came to C2 South. Shout out to all of the beautiful people that work on C2 South. I know lots of you are listeners and we will be forever grateful for what you did for our family on that ward. Um, They came so many times to visit and filled our hospital room with joy. Those brief visits influenced our decision to get a service dog so much and led us to our patty. Paddy is Marley's service dog. He was trained through an organisation called Smart Pups and we will be forever deeply grateful for our incredible friends and family who helped us to fundraise the $20,000 deposit that we had to pay for him before he commenced his training. 
to match Marley with the right dog and to make sure that we really understood what we were getting ourselves into because having a service dog is a lot of work and it's a massive commitment. We made the trip from Canberra to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland to the Smart Pups training facility to spend some time with the pups in training and with their trainers. Little did we know that day that Marley would have a chance meeting with a nine-week-old chocolate lab litter and that a puppy named Patty would go on to be her best mate and significantly improve her quality of life. He would be life-saving in alerting to seizures and lay in her hospital bed with her through countless hospital admissions, thousands of hours of rehab and therapies, and be by her side as life-preserving plasma was pumped into her little body every few weeks. I will pop some links to these insanely cute photos in our socials this week. Once Marley's emerging needs were established, it was decided that she needed a dog that was capable of medical response, that could work alongside a wheelchair and that had an aptitude for autism training. As while Marley was too sick to do the ASD testing at the time, and frankly it wasn't a priority as we were just trying to keep her alive, she was showing ASD traits. Essentially, we were asking smart pups not just for a service dog, we were asking for a unicorn. When a potential dog was selected for Marley, we were asked to send samples of her clothing to scent train her dog. We sent four samples. One when she wasn't having a seizure, one sample when she was in seizure aura, and this can mean in lead up to a seizure before it commences, a sample during seizure activity, and one when she was postictal. And so postictal means the um, time after the seizure when the brain is resetting and recovering. We literally just took shirts off her and popped them in Ziploc bags and posted them to smart pups. And then we waited. And then the borders closed with the COVID pandemic and smart pups were unable to place any dogs outside Queensland as the trainers were unable to travel to place dogs with the kids, to train the handlers and to put a new team of a child, a dog and a handler through the public access test to accredit the team for full public access. So this means that an individual can refuse Paddy to access their own home, but Paddy has access to all, so he has full access to all public areas. He comes with us to hospital, he stays with us in hotels, um, and he even gets his own seat for free next to Marley on a plane, which we haven't been able to do yet. We haven't been able to fly with him during COVID. um, and We've had a few trips cancelled, but that is some travel that we will plan to do soon. Paddy reliably alerts to seizures around two to four hours before they hit. He has completely changed Marley's life and given her so much more freedom and has given her the gift of being able to enjoy a childhood. We will be forever deeply grateful for all of the generous souls and businesses and the incredible people who organized and attended our charity ball for Marley and who donated their money to make this a reality for our family. Now on to today's interview. On today's episode, we celebrate International Assistance Dogs Week and chat to Tracy, mother to 16-year-old Cody, who is supported by service dog Lulu. Cody survived a brain tumour at just two years of age, requiring blood transfusions. He has also used intravenous immunoglobulin infusions donated by Australian plasma donors as a treatment option for his uncontrollable seizures. During International Week of the Assistance Dog, I welcome Tracy, who is mother to Cody and handler of Lulu, the service dog. Welcome to the Milkshakes for Marley community. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. Um, Now, Marley and your Cody have so many parallels. Um, They both have service dogs, both have a seizure disorder. 
They both have brain injuries and they are both blood product recipients. Tracy, fellow mother at the helm of a family with additional needs, did you ever imagine that your life would look like this? No, (laughs) never. And if people told me 14 years ago that this is how our life would be, I would have been, no, you're joking. There's no way. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how old is Cody now? So he's 14 now. He's 16 16. Yeah. Um, and yep. does he have any siblings? He has three other siblings. Yep. So he has a sister who's 24, Hayley, mm-hmm. and a 14-year-old brother, Taj, and a 10-year-old brother, Ronan. Oh, wow. You have got a lot going on in your household. Yes, I do. Mm. Yes. Um, so what was Cody like as a baby? Tell me about life before any of this craziness started. Truth? Yeah, absolutely. Horrible. This is totally, horrible. this is totally the place of truth. Yeah, no, horrible. So I'd already had obviously a daughter prior to Codes. Um, so she was eight when Cody was born mm-hmm. and, um, normal child, you know, she was great. Yeah. Codes was, he screamed from day one. Mm. It wasn't a normal baby cry. It was pain and yeah. you knew it was pain. Um, took him to a pediatrician when he was three weeks old and they put it down to dairy intolerances, things like that. We tried all different formulas, ended up on amino acid based formulas. Right. Um, still sick, still screaming, still vomiting profusely, just never settled. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not a very not a very joyful mm-hmm. child at all. Um, <clears throat> never crawled, never rolled, nothing. Had him at pediatricians, hospitals, everything. They were just saying, no, no, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. So and you knew yeah, straight away then that something wasn't quite yeah. right. If you already had him at a pediatrician at three weeks old, you knew right from the start something wasn't quite right. Definitely. Um, just the scream. It was it was pain. It was intense pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the paediatrician just put it down to all different things. And as he got older, he'd put it down to something else. Yeah. And then it was he was a fat, lazy boy. Um, I was the one with a problem, not Cody. Just lots of different things. We presented to hospitals upon hospitals, and it was just a viral infection. It was this, it was that. There was never... No one was willing to sort of investigate any further. Mm-hmm. So what are Cody's diagnoses now? Okay, so his original diagnosis just before he turned two was a brain tumour mm-hmm. and hydrocephalus. So by the time they found it, his tumour was the size of a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. And the hydro, um, they said if they hadn't found it, he would have been dead within six weeks with the amount of pressure that was on his brain. So that was his original diagnosis. Mm, sweetheart. That's a lot. And, you know, I guess at two, you, he couldn't have – was he verbal he at that stage? No. no. So he couldn't have communicated that to you anyway. But you always knew that something wasn't quite right. Definitely. And if I hadn't kept pushing, he wouldn't be here today. Mm, so. God, I'm so sorry. So I know – that he that Cody had a number of blood transfusions with those surgeries. Yes. I assume it was when he had the brain tumor removed. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's had eleven brain surgeries in total. Oh, wow. Three of those were, oh, excuse me, three of those were to remove the tumor, which is partially removed. He still has about thirty percent of it there, but it's all calcified and 
staying stable. So mm-hmm. um, they just monitor that. Um, but yeah, so he had the blood transfusions during those three particular brain surgeries to remove the tumour. Yeah. So thinking about the timing and the age difference of your children, were you pregnant or did you have a newborn around the time I that he was? I had a week old oh at the time he was diagnosed, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. and it rains at pause. How on earth did you get yes. through that time? Um, very lucky. My father-in-law had his own business and he retired oh, and wow. took Taj on, took my, younger, uh, took my four-week-old on as his own for that time um, while we were at the children's. For the better part of a year, we mm-hmm. were at the children's, so Taj was with them for the better part of a year, and then obviously going forward, there was a lot of um, emergency admissions and more surgeries and more, so Taj was always back with the grandparents. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I referred to you as a mother at the helm of a family with additional needs earlier in the episode, and. It's one of the things that we've talked about a lot through this podcast and in our own advocacy with our own experience is that, you know, sometimes we talk about people having a special needs child, but people rarely look at the whole family unit and look at when you have any family member with illness, injury, disability, whatever it is, that you become a family with additional needs. And whether that's around, you know, the differences in your social or your financial circumstances or you know, having to hand your four-week-old baby over to their grandparents so that you can try and keep your two-year-old alive, you know, that's going to have an impact on your whole entire family, long-reaching, like, after the potential trauma of the illness itself. Um, How much do you think that's changed your family structure? Um, Well, I think because Hayley was a little bit older, she sort of hung out with her friends and I was really grateful to have a family who she was very close with so she sort of stayed there and mm-hmm. um Taj I feel it took a while for him and I to bond eventually yeah, um because we didn't have that time mm. and they um, don't get me wrong they brought Taj up to hospital all the of time course. but yeah. my focus was keeping Cody alive of and course. I just couldn't deal I couldn't be both no. I couldn't be you know Cody's mum and Taj's mum and beat him and mm. yeah it was just yeah really be, hard. yeah be you couldn't be the primary carer to both of them it's just not possible no. and it's not even from an infection and risk point of view and that kind of thing having a newborn in a children's hospital full-time it's just not feasible like it's just not well, something not that you possible. can do it's just yeah. not so um yeah what an incredible thing for your family to yeah. overcome together so I believe Cody also needed intravenous immunoglobulin infusion. Um, people, regular listeners of the podcast would know me talking about the miracle IVIG. Um, so it's the solution of human plasma proteins with a broad spectrum of antibody activity. And while it's been life-saving and preserving for Mali, I believe that it had quite the opposite effect for Cody. It did. So Codes had trialed and tested every anti-seizure medication known mm. and the the complex management team of the neurologists all sat down and had Cody's case out on the table and they went through different you know meds that he tried tested what he hadn't and the only one was the IVIG mm. so we trialed that and the first one he was okay he was a little bit off and then we had to go back the next day and <laughs> we got home and he had a bit of a headache and things like that and then he woke up vomiting profusely and um took 
called an ambulance, got into the children's, and it turned out that the rare or one of the rarest side effects of IVIG is um, aseptic meningitis, mm-hmm. which was what Cody ended up with. God, I'm so, so sorry to hear that. And you know, that like they was no, no, they tell you time. about those risk factors. But I think we almost felt with Marley, because we were at exactly the same point. We tried all of the anesthesia medications and she was just constantly going back into status epilepticus. Yeah. We'd have to put her in an induced coma, you know, intubate her, ventilate her, she would lose her airways, like all of that kind of thing. And um, so funny talking to another seizure parent where you can just say yeah. that out loud, like it's just yeah. another. And we understand exactly what it means. Yes. <laughs> And I don't mean to take that lightly. I'm just, you know, no, I'm explaining no. it because I know that you get it and, you know, yeah. it normalises it a little bit as well for other families, I think. Yeah. Um, but we went to IVIG for that exact same reason and they talk about those potential side effects. But I think when you get to that point, you kind of feel like maybe you've been dealt enough bad luck and maybe yeah. that one thing won't happen to you. So when we were chatting before we recorded the episode and I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, this poor family. <laughs> So and that could have been life threatening in itself, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely because he had only just prior to this, he'd only just been diagnosed with um, what's called hypothalamus dysfunction. Right. So his because of where the tumor is, um, it affected his hypothalamus and pituitary gland. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't actually produce cortisol. So oh wow, aseptic meningitis. He was going into hypothalamic shock. Oh. So they had to um, give him emergency hydrocortisone every eight hours yeah. to bring up his cortisol levels and things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was that diagnosis had just happened, so it was a all of that was a big shock because it was we hadn't seen him go into hypothalamic shock before, so it was mm-hmm. yeah. And don't you just feel like in those moments that you just have to become a walking encyclopedia of your child's medical knowledge when you just want to be present with them? but you're constantly thinking yeah. of all the different scenarios because we would yeah. find that... And saying to the nurses, he needs this now. Yeah, we would find that quite often you've got the consultant that comes in and looks at their own specialised area. Um, and we had trouble with high-dose steroids quite a few times because all three of our children have got a rare genetic form of diabetes, which is a problem when you're on prolonged high-dose steroids to reduce the inflammation in your brain to try and stop the seizures because then your diabetes becomes uncontrolled which can lower your seizure threshold, which can, like, it's just that constant. So getting the endocrinology board with the immunology team and then your neurologist to try and decide what you're going to do in an ICU situation, it just feels like it's all of the things. So um, we're lucky now. We've got a great paediatrician and I just say to him, it is your job to keep all of those teams on board and together. Like, I really need you to do that. I don't care if we pay for more appointments, but that's what I really need out of this with you is for someone else to be doing that. So... So I guess a lot of things yeah. have happened between that time and him now being 16. Yes. <laughs> How many new diagnoses did he pick up along the way? Yeah, so originally it was the brain tumour and the hydrocephalus, then the epilepsy came along. He had his first seizure um, July 2008, mm-hmm. and it was a two-and-a-half-hour seizure where it was a met call, um, induced coma. Um. So that was our first taste of epilepsy. Mm, wow. <laughs> scary. Uh, and then he ended up with, yeah, the, so he's got a VP shunt to drain the fluid from his brain into his abdomen for right. the hydro. Mm-hmm. 
he's got the hypothalamus dysfunction. He's got hypothalamic hypothyroidism because, again, the pituitary gland and that was damaged. So it's not that he has um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Like thyroid issues, it's more the signals from the brain aren't sending it to the thyroid. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and then obviously he's got the acquired brain injury given mm-hmm. that his the diagnosis was delayed for so long yeah. and then the multiple surgeries on top of that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell me what made you think about getting a service dog for Cody? So Cody's seizures were always during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would have constant absence seizures, like 500 a day. Like he had no idea what was going on around him. Mm-hmm. His tonic clonics were sporadical. Mm-hmm. There was no um, rhyme or reason to them. And obviously that's why he tried and tested medicine. Mm-hmm. 2018, he had his first nocturnal seizure. Mm-hmm. So we woke to 2.30 in the morning with his seizure alarm going off. And um, I know these seizure alarms are great, but they don't pick up the seizures straight away, obviously. So it was at that point we didn't know how long he'd been seizing and, you know, obviously we've got his emergency meds, which we gave him straight away and he was still seizing for another nine minutes after Mm -hmm. that. Ambulance arrived, Mike has arrived. And we'd kind of toyed with the idea before that, but once he'd had the overnight one, we just sort of thought, you know, alarms and monitors and stuff, a power cut, they don't work. Mm. Um, so I don't know whether I'll leave this in the episode either, but from one seizure parent to another, the majority of Mali seizures are nighttime ones and they're usually non-convulsive. So that's how yeah. we've ended up, you know, that was how we went down the road of getting Patty was that, you know, the a lot of the seizure mats and stuff aren't going to pick up her seizures anyway um so we use the pulse oximetry monitoring equipment through the night because you know sort of the idea that if she's you know not desatting then she's probably going to be okay but pre-patty it would just be i would sleep for the first half of the night and then jeff would come and she is still now she's six and a half and she still sleeps between us in bed at night time patty's amazing overnight but you know he needs to rest as well and it's still you know we're all still monitoring her through the night because all of the big status episodes she's had where we've nearly lost her have started at night time and because she doesn't convulse it just doesn't get picked up by a lot of that traditional monitoring so we're so lucky to have Patty. We really, there's been a lot of times that things could have been a lot uglier had Patty not woken up our house in the middle of the night and let us know That's that awesome. she was seizing. Yeah. And he generally gives us a good couple of hours notice before, so you can, you know, disrupt with meds early and it doesn't progress like it was previously. So yeah. we're very, very lucky. Um, can you tell me about the process of meeting Lulu? I know you guys did a big countdown to when you were able to meet her. Yeah, so we did the big countdown and obviously COVID and um, Victoria had an outbreak mm-hmm. due to have Lulu placed in July. We'd already had one dog cancelled in March due to COVID yeah. and then Lulu was to be placed July 27th and we had our outbreaks so they were cancelling her as well. Mm. And I just couldn't do it to codes again. Like, you yeah. know, we've already lost one dog and we didn't want to put him through that again so I contacted the Chief Health Officer of Queensland and asked for an exception to travel, gave them the 
reasoning behind it, all of Cody's diagnoses, we support letters from all of his doctors and specialists and all of that, and we were granted an exemption as long as Sunshine Coast Hospital would agree to treat him in the case he needed to be treated up there, which they they did, and we ended up in Sunshine Coast Emergency the day before Lulu was to be placed. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, so that was good, but we were were very lucky. Um, We didn't have to hotel quarantine. We were able to get our own Airbnb. Oh, how fabulous. Right. Yeah. yeah. So was yeah. So Cody was with you through that quarantine process. Was it just yeah, you and him so that went we together? With kids at home. Yeah. Um, with the grandparents for three weeks, and we, the two weeks that we were quarantined, we did remote schooling with them from Queensland to Victoria. Right. In lockdown. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, that week of um, placement, we yeah just did our placement as normal as you back here. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, that placement week is a huge one. I don't think we were quite prepared for how big placement week was. Yeah, mm. yeah, we, we, yeah, we didn't do too bad. I, think. Mm. I didn't know what to expect, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, <clears throat> there were some challenges along the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As there always is. <laughs> mm. So did Lulu warm to you straight away? Because Patty pretty much just ignored the rest of us to start with and was just all eyes on Marley. I don't think he acknowledged our two older boys for a good couple of months. Well, we kind of made the kids, so when we brought her back home, we let them say hello and all that sort of stuff, but we, our big thing was, because Cody doesn't do much, so his thing is sitting on the couch on his iPad, so our big thing was to get her on the couch. That was our main goal. Right. So she was next to him the whole time. Yeah. So a lot of it was redirecting her back to the couch, redirecting mm-hmm. her back to Cody so that she knew that's who her person was because she would quite happily love anyone that would look at her. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're all so <laughs> different, does. aren't they? And still does. But, um, yeah, so, but I think she's, I mean, she knows Cody's her person now. The, the bus pulls up and she's, like, straight at the door. Yeah. With, like, when he gets home from school. Yeah. Um, she's on the couch with him now. She sleeps on his bed. So she knows who her person is, but she still loves everybody else. Yeah, wow. She's such a loving dog. Yeah. So, yeah, Patty now is very, very well integrated into our whole family. And all three of our kids are on the autism spectrum. And Patty is double trained as seizure response and autism assistance. So he offers beautiful support just with deep pressure and putting him into a down and stuff to give the deep pressure to the boys at times as well. Um, is there other things that Lulu helps Cody with? Um, I think the main thing that she's given him is just joy. Yeah. Um, she goes everywhere that he goes. Yeah. With a certain, yeah, obviously with certain expectations and things like that. But yeah. little things like being in a restaurant and him just feeling a little bit uncomfortable, he'll just pat, give her a bit of a pat. That's yes. just his thing. So just having her there mm-hmm. and her, her personality, she's just a funny dog. Like yes. Yeah. Funny. So she does silly things. She'll walk into walls. She'll walk into tables. She's just, <laughs> and that just makes him laugh. So yeah. brought, I've never seen him laugh and smile as much as he does. Oh. Sure. Um, but yeah, she's she's also um, yeah not perfect, obviously. Yeah, no one is. We'll get to <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so, how reliably does she alert to seizures, or does Cody still have seizures? Well, Cody had a um, vagal nerve stimulator mm-hmm. inserted. 
started in 2019, yeah. I think. Um, so... The difference between medications and vagal nerve stimulator is your medications work straight away. Mm-hmm. The vagus nerve takes its time to work up and they gradually turn up the, um, the settings on it to get to its highest um, amp mm-hmm. that can send the signals through. So he is actually at the moment classed as being seizure-free mm. except for when he's asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, the where they've gone in through his brain and operated, there's continual seizure activity there. Right. But that's to be expected given that they've cut his skull open. Yeah. Done surgeries. So mm. the vague, the VNS seems to have been his godsend. Wow. So at the moment she's not having to be alert to anything, but she does pick up on um, I'll give you an example. He was sitting on the couch and I thought he was okay, but she jumped off and she ran to, like, would come to me mm-hmm. at the other end of the house and then she'd run back to the couch. She'd jump back up on the couch, get off, run back to me, mm-hmm. go back to the couch. I'm like, what's going on? So I went over to him and I said, are you okay? And he's like, I don't know, I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. So she picked up on something, mm-hmm. whether it was a seizure or not, I'm not sure, but she knew that he wasn't right. Wow. It's incredible that they just know, isn't it? It's, yeah, just yeah. blown my mind the way that Paddy can alert to seizures and how anxious he gets. Like, he'll just walk around in circles. Like, he just can't lay down and relax. And when we know that he's starting to do that, we and he gets very judgmental with us, he'll be like looking at us going, you know, are you going to do something? Obviously, this kid's not right. Like, <laughs> he gets those big lab eyes that look at us and just pleading with us to do something about it well before he would ever alert bark or any of those things and it could just be that she's got a little fever or something but that's you know you know what it's like that's enough to lower that seizure threshold so yeah they're just incredible um can you tell me about lulu's health concerns it seems ridiculous that i even have to ask you this after everything else that we have just talked about but unfortunately, yeah. Lulu also has some health challenges. Yeah, and unfortunately, since she was diagnosed with this, her, I guess, like, she's not picking up on stuff codes anymore. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. So she has what is called immune-mediated neutropenia, which mm-hmm. means her she doesn't produce neutrophils, which is the white blood cell that fights infection. So because she doesn't have the neutrophils if she was to get an infection of any sort she would die she needs some IVIG that's not funny but she really that's exactly what she she needs I know so unfortunately so she was diagnosed about 10 months ago with this condition um started it so she had bone marrow biopsies CT scans um multiple bloods this was the first original diagnosis mm-hmm. uh, or first original testing sorry that came back with the immune media neutropenia they thought she might have had cancer um but thankfully no mm-hmm. um my husband's actually on the phone to the vet right now <laughs> well if you have to duck off the call to go and talk to the him no, that no, is no, absolutely no, fine we can pick it up it. again um so yeah so she has gone through so she first went through a treatment with pretisolone mm-hmm. so the pretisolone um obviously it, it helps them reproduce their neutrophils within the bone marrow mm-hmm. um but unfortunately she had a really really 
bad side effect that they've never seen in a dog before. So a little bit like codes. I was going to say, I feel like we've already had this conversation once. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. So Mm. she lost five kilos in four weeks. Mm. She lost all of her muscles. Sweetheart. She couldn't even get up off the floor. She was just that sick. So got her off the prednisolone, started hydrotherapy twice a week with her and in-home physiotherapy. Mm Mm-hmm to try and build all her muscles and things back up. Um, she's got some lax ligaments now because of all of the muscle wastage. Yeah. Then she relapsed after she came off the previous loan, so they started her on another treatment called um, cyclosporine. Mm-hmm. So that the thing about it is it strips her immune system. So as much as she doesn't produce neutrophils and if she gets sick, die yes. they're stripping her immune system to make her reproduce neutrophils so she's at higher risk of infection while she's on this medication oh, darling. so she can't really sort of do much or anything like that so she was on that treatment for five months and we were off it for two months and she relapsed mm-hmm. so we are now back on the treatment again um on a pretty high dose at the moment um <clears throat> One of the things that cyclosporine is used for is skin allergies. Mm-hmm. It's actually caused skin allergies. Mm, for her. Lulu. So she's had the adverse side effect from it. Um, so she's got massive skin allergies, ear infections after ear infection after ear infection. Um, yeah, so she's <laughs> she's at the vet more than Cody's at the hospital. <sighs> we go, we're at the vet every two weeks with blood tests. And the irony of it is that because she's a service dog, you don't want to just keep her at home so she's away from any potential infection from other dogs or anything all the time. Yeah. You want to have her out yeah. and about and have her working so that she can support Cody. But oh, it's really difficult. That's really she, tough. Her, her personality has changed because mm. this diagnosis. So she's she's yeah she's just she's very heightened. She's very anxious. Right. Um, the trees can blow and she'll jump. Um, oh, you you t- try to take her for a walk and it's like she's about to skedaddle because everything's just too much mm. um, because she's just feeling so. She's great in the shops, yeah. great in the supermarkets, great at restaurants, mm. absolutely perfect. You walk outside, it's like a different dog. Wow. So even when oh, she's in coat, now. she's still – even when she's in coat, she's still spooked when you've got her outside. Yeah. Oh. Oh, darling, because it's so hard to explain to people um, the difference of the service dogs when they're in coat as opposed to not being in coat. And I think sometimes people feel feel a bit sorry for Paddy because they think that he has this really boring life that he has to work all the time. Um, But you take, like, and people talk about crazy chocolate labs. Like, he can work so hard and be so beautifully behaved and so switched on. You take him out into the backyard and take his coat off and show him his toys, and he will just do zoomies around the backyard. And I found him. Yeah. Yeah. He has jumped up onto Marley's trampoline and just jumped around there for a little while. Like, and it's like he just has that. He's like my kids when I pick them up from school. They have been so good and held on all day so much that it's just an explosion. (laughs) Which makes complete sense. Yeah, absolutely. When the jacket's on, they're in working. Yeah. Yeah. But you take it off and they're like, oh, I'm free, I can be your dog. Yes. Yeah, like she, she loves her toys, she loves her zoomies. Yeah. You know, she's, 
And so I guess it's trying to sort of, you know, we're trying to still work there as much as we can, but it's more, you know, shops and restaurants mm. and things like that, which we went out for lunch on Saturday and she was great. Yeah. I didn't know she was there. Yeah. So to ask the obvious question, I know that we have got Paddy probably more well insured than our own house, but there's still plenty of out of pocket expenses that come, even if you've got top levels of health insurance for a service animal. How much money has this all cost you? Uh, so we're up to about sixteen thousand dollars in vet bills. Of course, we've got percentages of that back. Yeah, but we're we're probably about seven thousand dollars out of pocket. Because mm. um, every time you go to the vet, which is every two weeks, and sometimes more, because we go to the specialist vet every two weeks. Yeah, and when she was first diagnosed, it was every week, and then it was every two weeks, and it was every four weeks. Mm. Um, but we also have our local vet that we go to for just any incidentals, like at the moment her ears. Ear so infections. That's who we'll go to. Yeah. Um, she also has um, a cytopoint injection for allergies every four weeks. Mm-hmm. She's on daily antihistamines for allergies. She's on daily meds for her condition. Mm-hmm. So there's so much. And she's on a special diet because of her allergies as well. So there's, oh, there's more to it than just the vet bills. And um, consult fees obviously aren't covered. No. For the insurance, you get, you get like a $300. Yeah. reach that within two visits yeah so, um so $150 every two weeks for a consult visit it's not covered no. so yeah we're a fair bit out of pocket with it mm. um but you know we love her yeah <laughs> she's a girl and yeah we went through so much to get her you know mm-hmm. flying up there paying for accommodation paying for flights quarantining we did all of that to bring her home yeah and, you know um she's brought more codes than what we could ever mm ever could possibly have imagined so mm. it's even just what you know you look over at the couch and he's just rubbing her yeah. back or something and before you before we spoke actually she we'd had dinner and she'd taken up like his part of the couch as well <laughs> so he was trying to sit on the couch and she was snoring her head off darling <laughs> um so what else apart from lulu obviously what brings cody the most joy working part-time on a Wednesday morning it's all through NDIS yeah where he's in a cafe and he's getting taught skills on you know chopping and making eggs and just yeah different things like that so that's his that's started this year and he absolutely loves it amazing yeah he worked it's at Latte Central in Cranbourne and they yeah they're really really good they take on their participants and just watch them grow and he has grown so much so mm. well shout out to latte central in cranbourne we're going to put a link to them in our show notes because i love to hear stories like this and hopefully okay. someone hears this and goes and supports their business because that's incredible um yeah so it's latte central but it's also umbrella support who are the so latte central is a cafe right umbrella support is the organization that support the participants while they're there amazing um, it's, it's, it is amazing and he absolutely loves it yeah so when you see him go off on wednesday mornings to do that is that something that you ever thought that he would be capable of doing in those early no days when he, he was the sickest me this time last year wow he said you're joking because this time last year he was almost nonverbal. wow he sat on the couch did nothing um, he he would he would his answers were one word answers. He couldn't really string a sentence together. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was having 
500 seizures a day. Yeah, so absolutely. So there was no, it didn't, the world was passing him by yep. pretty much. Mm. Well, he was constantly um, post-ictal then, like he would be constantly recovering. Yes, yeah. he so, He would yeah, never return to baseline. ESES. Mm. So that constant, yeah, constant in, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't even remember the, so yeah, that's what his was, it was ES, ES. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, no way I would have thought he'd be able to stand up and do what he's doing mm-hmm. now, but it's such a change. And I do put a lot of it down to Lily, because she yeah. brought him out of his shell so much. Before we got her, if we were ever to go to the shops, he wanted to be in his wheelchair, because he had that sort of security around yep. him, people couldn't yep. get too close. Mm-hmm. And when we brought her home, still in his wheelchair with her, you know, and then gradually he would say, I don't want my wheelchair. Oh, wow. And he'd start walking around the shops. And every, every so often he'd be like, oh, can I have the wheelchair? It was just too busy. But, yeah, he just, little things like that were such a huge change to be in a wheelchair the whole time to the wheelchair now sits in my lounge room. It's not in the back of my car. Yeah. <laughs> that one's got me. Patty's done a very similar thing. <laughs> oh, Patty's done a very similar thing for Marley in that, you know, rehab and trying to build back that muscle tone with muscle wastage and stuff, it's not really that fun. And it's really hard. And some of it's really yucky. And some of it she really didn't like doing. And we would have those two hard days where she just didn't want to do her physical rehab, but she'd always get up and take Patty for a walk. Or we could take Patty to the dog park and then I could just reframe all of the activities that she was doing before, but make it a game that we would play with Patty instead. And because she just loves being with him so much and he has just brought her so much joy, it yeah, that's the way that we've been able to rebuild so much of her strength and so much of her confidence. Yeah. So I, yeah, no, I absolutely understand like, that. Even just going for a walk down the street, Crows would never have done that. That's amazing. Never. Oh, they're just so incredible, aren't they? All right, to round our episode out, um, apart from the fact that we've talked about amazing service dogs and it is International Week of Assistance Dogs. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, It'll be a beautiful episode to share with our listeners during this week and to raise that awareness. Um, But without Australian blood donors, Cody would not have survived those initial surgeries and they have given him the second chance at life. What message do you have for Australian blood donors or anyone who is considering donating blood in the future? Donate, donate, donate. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like it is, it's life-saving. There yep. is no other word for it. It mm-hmm. is life-saving. Cody wouldn't be here if he hadn't had those blood transfusions, even his initial surgeries that mm-hmm. saved his life. Yeah. Um, and even the IVIG, like obviously it was something we had to try. Mm. And if, they, if we hadn't had those donations, we... we we wouldn't have been able to try it. It wouldn't have been an option. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And I'm so grateful that he made it past that time of being two and all that yuckiness that happened. And I just hope that, like Cody's incredible recovery that he's making, I just really hope that you can find an answer for Lulu as well and that they can continue to grow up together. Um, but what a special time they've already had and what a big difference she's made. Yeah, we kind of joke a little bit and say now that Cody's so healthy and they've decided that we'll have, you know, we can't just be um, all healthy. It's like, okay, we've dealt with all Cody's health issues. He's really stable right now. Let's have Lulu and, like, deal with her health issues and then get her to stable too. I shouldn't laugh, but I, it's just that, that mental load of the medical needs mama 
that, you know, you finally probably had a little bit of time and space for yourself and now it's completely taken up with Lulu's stuff. <laughs> It's so funny though because half of her things are very similar to him. I was, so she, she's got the immune issues, he's yeah. got immune issues, she's got allergies, he's got allergies. Mm. I'm just like, like he's allergic to the world, he's got every allergy to absolutely everything. Yeah. So she, well, they were very well matched then. They're probably very empathetic for each other. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod, Tracy. No, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this chat with Tracy. One of the most incredible things about service dogs is that they have the ability to grow and to meet the needs of their person. As Marley's seizures have decreased, she has been able to access the community far more. And this has meant that Paddy is able to put his autism training to far greater use. We simply can't imagine our life without him now. And it breaks my heart to think of what may happen to Lulu if her family are unable to meet her vet bills and those expenses um, associated with her illness and the impact that this would have on Cody if they were to lose her. So if anyone is listening and they're in a position to provide financial support, or if you know a business that would be in a position to provide financial support to help with Lulu's medical costs, um, please get in touch through the DMs for the Milkshakes for Mali Instagram page. Um, Cody has recorded a message for our podcast and we are so happy to have him as part of this episode. So here is a message from Cody. Thank you for my blood donations. I love Lulu. Nothing feels more Australian like the modern demonstration of mateship than donating blood or breast milk and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This episode was written and hosted by me, Kate Fisher, with audio production by my husband, Jeff. Today's guest was Tracy, who is mother to Cody and service dog handler of Lulu. To make an appointment to donate, please call Lifeblood on 13 14 95. Our Lifeblood team is called Milkshakes for Marley, and we have donors from all over Australia. So please join us and add your donation to our team tally. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave us a review as it will bump up the episode into other people's feeds or just give us some love on the socials using the hashtag milkshakes for Marley. And as always, I'll leave the final word to Marley. Thank you for my prize, Marley.